0: Welcome to SEO success stories my name is Russ McCumber and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners we interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders many from leading search technology brands plus the world's foremost SEO educators they'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm here every two weeks with some of the world's best SEOs. I've got with me today, Jess Joyce. She's going to be talking about talk SEO for SaaS. G'day Jess. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: No worries. So as you've heard in the preamble, and if you've listened to this show before, you know what we do. We talk to practitioners, we talk to thought leaders. Jess is very much a practitioner. So that's going to be great. And she specializes in SEO for software and, and SaaS in the tech industry. So uh, before we get into you know her background and how she got into specialising in that one specific space, I'm going to ask you, Jess, the one question I do ask every guest, and that is, what do you feel is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in
1: 2023? GA4 is my answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Analytics. It's ending on July mm-hmm. 1st. Happy Canada Day, and then and then Google's just deleting our historical data. So fun times. Is that-
0: Is that not like just really scary for anyone else? Like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying.
0: (laughs) I've been looking at UA for like 13 years. Right. And I don't know. I am, we did a GA4 training session with the head of our data team and like some of the definitions are changing. Yeah. So that alone, it's like, okay, cool. I'll have to tackle that with clients. No, that bounce doesn't mean that. I I didn't realize until that call that all that data is just going.
1: gone. Yeah, end of the year, they're just like, (laughs) bye-bye. For all of us that have used this, they like, it's, honestly, in my opinion, I think Google Analytics was the best slow play that Google has ever done. Because like, they got us, they got us all hooked, right? They were like, here's all this data that we're going to gather about your website. And slowly, 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 they were like, more and more and more. And we get all hooked on it, like, like a drug. And we all are used to it, right? Like, I'm sure we can all navigate UA in our sleep. At this point like oh okay i add another dimension i add another level i can i can mix and match whatever i need to do it's under behavior it's under here right and now they're calling ga4 but now they flip it completely on its head because of i i think legal battles and and the amount of privacy that's come up on the web they can't do things the way they used to so okay i get it sessions versus events cool The web isn't the way it was 13 years ago, 14, however many years ago it was, but it's still like such, maybe call it something completely different than GA4 because it, it feels like a whole new way of working
0: now. It it is. And I think you're, I I love that. I did, I remember I did a marketing course and I did a digital marketing module in my MBA, but it was kind of ridiculous because six months later it was all outdated. So Google Analytics was like my digital marketing school. You know, yeah. that's where I understood all the terminology and how things connect. And you're, you're so right. That was literally the way most people schooled on this stuff.
1: Yeah. It's how we learned a dimension from like a metric from like all these other things. And they taught us all about marketing. And now they're like, no, we're pulling the rug out under you.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Thanks, cool. well, Google. Yeah. Thanks, Google. Thanks so much. <laughs> cool. Well, what a, what a great way to start. Jess and I connected through Liam Forland's, for SEOs that are that are listening to this and you're looking for like a community, Liam Fallin's got a really cool one on LinkedIn. I think it's called the Best SEO Group on I think LinkedIn. So, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't ask me anything. And and Jess answered her questions in a really informative and fun way. And we Thank both you. bonded on her love of an random, obscure nineties teen grunge band from Australia. Who was that, Jess?
1: Silverchair. But I like the way that you say it better than I do. <laughs> it's
0: so funny. I don't even think that I say it differently. Silverchair. But yeah. So yeah, it was really great to connect with you there. And yeah, just pumped to, to understand a bit more about yourself and your history. So we'll talk about you first. How did you, how did you get into marketing? What was your first either marketing or SEO?
1: It was, well, it all started with Silverchair, to be completely honest. Truly, is I, in the 90s, I'm, I'm just a huge music head. The 90s music is where I live. And I have no musical talent specifically to play anything. So, the closest I've ever got is to be a fan, and I saw that a lot of people were making fan sites. So, I was like, the way I can show my fandom is by making a fan site. So, I would make fan sites for these obscure little Canadian alternative bands. Like who? Um, Like who? There was Age of Electric and I'm the Earth and Our Lady Peace, all the three letter bands. And there was another one called Zucker Baby.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, But then
1: but then uh, to take in like the SEO knowledge is i found like a little niche because no one was making a silverchair website that i thought was good enough so that's where i dove deep i went through you know every hosting company that i could get and i built silverchair website and it's i still have kind of a home for it these days but it's not really worth updating but that's where i got all my education from as i built silver chair site and i uploaded my niche was i wanted to find every single photo of the three of them on the internet which at the time was like hard to do because of the amount of time it took to upload and the amount of space you needed so i needed to go through like free hosting companies to find all that (laughs) but i did it and that was like my differentiator and then i was part of like web rings because that was a thing so links obviously. And then I was part of like the top silver chair sites, which again, links and link building. It was kind of like my education. So I used that as my resume to get into digital marketing. And I used it as school projects because I took that, I took web development in school. And that's how I kind of pushed it all into working for agencies and in-house and all these things yeah
0: that's super cool like the nerd the, <laughs> the nerd in me is just like visualizing a venn diagram of your passion your career yeah. and you know what you're good at and it's just like all overlapped on silver chair in the middle of it. it is so cool. i probably
1: have like i even have i'm such a nerd this is my nerd is this was on a silver album is oh, the artist nice. of one of their albums so i just like even bought it yeah nice. big fan big fan but they don't so come to Canada cool. much too. So I kind of lost out on that.
0: So have, you ever, have you ever actually heard from the band or from anyone connected to the band?
1: Well, I've seen them live a couple of times. I even, I had a friend who got us into like Australia Day at, in Canada because I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So we, we got to go to Young and Dundas to Australia Day and see Silver cool. Chair. So I got to see them in like this tiny little spot, which was pretty much the highlight of my life.
0: That's super cool. That's super cool. Other
1: than, other than you know, meeting my partner and when my daughter was born yep. and all these other <laughs> things. Yeah, sure.
0: So then you were able to use that. And I love that you, like, use that as, like, your portfolio to get into yeah. like, a marketing gig. I think that's something that I've spoken to Nick LaRoy about that recently as well. Just, like, there's so many people that are out there trying to, to get their foot in the door. But the ones who show that extra little, either a passion project or some kind of grit to... To, to stand out and it just happened to be something that you're passionate about. So tell me about sharing that in that first gig, you know, you know, was it an in-house or was it agency? What was it?
1: It was for a tiny little web development firm outside of the city who called themselves an agency and they kind of did everything. And I was trying to get more into like SEO, well, not SEO into web development specifically because I didn't have any experience. So I talked to the guy who ran the place, and he said, "You can come work here, but you also need to know SEO." And I said, "What? What, what are you talking about? Because it's like 2006, so I had no idea what he was talking about." But he's like, "Your your websites and everything that you've made are 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 useful, but you need to know this as well." So I said, "Okay." And he sent me this website that was just like this black website with text on it that had the algorithm on it. <laughs> And I was like, okay. And he said, learn this and then we'll start you there. And then that was my first job. I stayed there for five years. And they were kind of an agency slash hosting company slash CMS slash everything because they were in a small town outside of the city. So you kind of got to be everything. But I learned everything. So I learned hosting, email, training. Like I was answering the phone, customer service. I kind of did everything over five years and SEO. I, I I learned about the wonderful world of Moz or SEO Moz as we knew it at the and watched Whiteboard Fridays until I could not anymore. But I, it was it was the training ground of like where you could get useful information. <laughs> so that's right.
0: Yeah, those Whiteboard Fridays. I've had a, a few people mention those, and I do remember them from back in the day as well. So there was the Moz team, so Rand and the like. Who else were some of your early influences when you were? Just finding your feet and going, wow, this is this is a cool space.
1: There was Moz. There was Danny Dover. He used to work at Moz. And I remember watching and reading all of his stuff. And I found him on Twitter. And he was fantastic. But uh, I was always looking for women in the space. So Vanessa Fox was my number one. The first Google Search Console or I guess Google Webmaster team, whatever they called it. <laughs> she was like the first person or part of the first team to build Search Console, right? So like... She was fantastic, and I have her book, so I got to read she was a writer, too. And then I wanted to find somebody in Canada, obviously. I've always looked up to Amber Mac, Amber MacArthur. She is like an internet personality, and she used to work on Leo's Twit TV, if anybody out there in the world used to watch those.
0: Okay, okay.
1: On the internet. But she also wrote a book. And she's a media personality who gets to be on TV a lot here and she runs her own media company. So I always looked up to that kind of ideal and I, I got to meet her a couple of years ago, which was a very big highlight. And we live in the same city. So now we talk a bunch and it's really helped me see that she's fantastic.
0: That's cool. That's yeah. cool. It's, you know, talking about women in SEO, I had Kate Toon on, she's an Australian SEO. <laughs> and I remember she was saying when she was starting out, there was it was real like it was such a boys club and she found... Yes. You know, what, when she said she was going to start a, a school for for SEO, the recipe for the SEO success, she just had like lots of people just trolling her, just pot shots because you know who does she think she is, you know who how why is she the expert that sort of thing. But it definitely feels like over the last, I don't know whether it's just my feed, you know on Twitter and LinkedIn, it's that's a bit more diverse. But I feel like there's a there's a lot of really well known, well respected you know women in SEO these days.
1: I totally agree, and I think that's partially in fact to Alita. Um, yeah, totally. To a later. And then Ariz would be the other one that I give a lot of. A lot of props too aresia's made a really, really wonderful safe space for women women in tech SEO specifically and their slack channel and their their events and her mentoring that they do in the space has really given the women who kind of had that imposter syndrome because I think a lot of us everyone has that kind of feeling across the industry, especially in one that changes so rapidly and evolves so much. It's hard to have that confidence, so she kind of has made a space where you can feel confident in in doing that and and not asking dumb questions
0: it's, it's funny you mentioned that about the confidence though because it the absolute best seos i know won't give a definitive answer though
1: <laughs> right exactly you know? yeah it depends yeah. is the is the default answer that we all give right or we just kind of our eyes dot yeah. out of the corner and we're like i could think of five answers to that question
0: yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's funny like when our head of seo and impressive is in australia but you know we'll do some things and and it'll look like we can point to a bunch of tactics that were, you know, sat underneath the strategy. We're like, oh, we yeah. think that's it. Look at that big spike. And you'll go, possibly. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, oh, can we just own this good work? No. Well, you know, the evidence looks like that's potentially what it was, but there's a whole lot of other stuff happening that you don't know about. And that's why I respect it. You know, and that's, I guess that's just something the best SEOs understand. It. You just, you can't know everything.
1: Maybe we're all just very self-deprecating
0: too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So who are some of the brands that you've worked with over the journey?
1: I've worked with most of the big Canadian ones, most of the big Canadian banks. In Canada, there's five big ones. And I don't need to mention them all, but like they're all part of that. And I've also worked with the big telecoms. Again, there's only two <laughs> in Canada. You're kind of with one or the other. And then a bunch I did. I worked in traditional advertising too for a while while I was doing the web development. So I worked with a bunch of beer brands, Stella. Oh, I learned cool. how to do the the vest- Vestable, I think it was called. What's that? the pouring ritual. That you're supposed to do specifically with Stella, <laughs> there, you're supposed to like push the the foam off the top of the of the yeah. There's like a whole thing for it <laughs> in the in the in the very specific Stella glass that you get. To. I remember we worked on like a Flash website because that was a thing, and and also shows my age, right? Of Morgan there. we did those. We built Flash websites and like micro sites as advertising as one does. And car websites too. We did a bunch. My first big uh, analytics project was for Honda because they were the first ones who actually had GA360 and had the amount of traffic that would require them to sit in that that level for 360. So yeah, that was super fun.
0: Yeah, do you? Remember, I remember when people realized that flash websites weren't getting crawled, and it was like, yeah. holy cow, there's this whole industry. And I had I had a mate who was a Like, that's the sort of websites that he developed, he specialized in. Yeah. And he had to fully pivot because it just wasn't working.
1: That was the line in the sand, right? Was when Steve Jobs was like, there will be no more Flash. And we were (laughs) like,
0: because that was
1: going to be mine too. I was actually going down the path to being a Flash developer. Like, I was learning ActionScript, one, two, three, all that stuff, right? Like, that was a thing. And then Steve Jobs was like. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you do, right? Like, you learn HTML5 and you learn CSS3 and you learn all these other technologies. And oh man,
0: I, I, I can so remember talking that I almost said his name then. I won't, he'd kill me. But I still I still remember him like rolling his eyes going, oh, it's HTML. Like, he was right? like, just like, he was so disappointed in the world that that was what it had come to. <laughs> but he's like, I've got a family to feed. I'm like, oh, that's funny. All right. So, some big brands over the journey, but you've, you've like, Nice down or you, you definitely promote yourself more as, you know, that sort of SaaS specialist. So what, what brought that about? Was it a, was it like, were you drawn to the space or did you just get a few clients and you found that was a space that, uh, you know, you did your best work or what, what sort of drew you there?
1: It was as the jobs that I ended up taking and then the results that I was ending up getting Is I worked for this small startup in Canada called Scribble Live, which was wonderful. I even started as an implementation developer. So this was like my first parlay parlay into the SEO because I evolved into an SEO and they're like marketing developer there but they ran these live blogs for news organizations so all the big guys at the time were using them and their their biggest takeaways were like really sad stories because those are the ones that tick off bad yeah anyway but i was in charge of the website completely and utterly so i could control every hook and lever as far as ranking went and we ended up ranking for content marketing software at the time which was a pretty big win for the ceo and i Figured I was on to something. If you could control the website and you could control the hooks and levers and you could get buy-in from the CMO who I had total buy-in from at the time because we were doing these growth hack things on Friday. Every Friday, we would do some sort of growth hacky kind of fun thing. Um, and some That's of them fun. would take off and some of them wouldn't, which was fun. And the content marketing software was a growth hack. So it was just like a something that we tried out and to see if it'd work and, and it took off. So I took that information and went to like another SaaS Company and then another size company, <laughs> and then it's just kind of where I've loved to have lived now is <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there to to help people with,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, and were there any i feel like i've, I've skipped past this any any like really bad algo stories along along the way where you something just disastrous happened and you had that pit in your stomach
1: yeah is is this is the one where I actually talked about this in in TTT they asked for like the biggest the biggest losses I guess is mine I talked about it in there too is unfortunately I was at an agency and at agency you're given like 200 projects and congratulations you're managing all of them so (laughs) it is This was one of those projects and there were no QAs for SEO specifically. So I was the QA. So I put in a ticket and said, add the canonicals, you know, as one does. And I put in an example of how to add a canonical and the developer copied and pasted my example and put that through every single page of the website and pushed it live. So (laughs) I I learned a valuable lesson about context. Yes. And adding that to every single page of the website. So unfortunately it was for a brand that didn't do a lot of pushes as well. So I had to spend the next couple of days rallying internally and trying to get the PM on the project and the the technical lead and the developer to give me five, 10 minutes to state my piece of like why this is important and why this is really important and what you guys have done to the site and why we need to push a fix immediately. Which I finally got their buy-in for, but like, it was a lot of like, oh, this sucks.
0: Well, good on you for pulling everyone together eventually. Like, how long did that take?
1: It took almost a week, honestly, which was not ideal. But it was a very large company that had almost a thousand people working for it. So it wasn't like I could just go directly to the developer. And this was pre-slack too. So like, you couldn't just like slack somebody and be like, (laughs) Because I like to say that there are no SEO emergencies, but like, that's one time where I actually would raise the flag and be like, guys, humans, humans that help us create internet. Like I would, I, we need to, we need to help. We need help right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Like, I think if there is an SEO emergency, it's usually really, really bad. (laughs) Like Most of the time stuff can be like, okay, we'll get to it. Okay you know, I'm not, we'll get to it, but you know, the impact is probably not going to be tomorrow. So we're good. Right. But it's usually like migrations or things like that where like stuff just disappears.
1: Yeah. And that's usually when is migrations. Like that's usually when I'm happy to be on call is for like those 48 hours of like, we've pushed the button. Like (laughs) things are happening. Okay. Monitor, 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 check, check, check everything. But this one wasn't even a migration. It was just like, a refresh in some senses, so I didn't, I didn't give it as much cadence as I should have, which is a learning for everyone, I guess, through the internet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the SaaS businesses you've worked with. Like what, typically, like what sort of size businesses are they and what are their resources like internally? Are you working with other SEOs or are you working with a marketing team or a content team or how does that normally look?
1: In my freelance capacity, I'm lucky enough that I get to work with a few other SEOs or a few other content teams. But when I was in-house, I was pretty much the SEO. So that looked completely different as me being the only SEO. And I've learned a lot about like being able to look at that now and knowing that I should have got a lot more teaching internally. When you're the only one versus like now content teams and the content leaders already know what SEO is. So they're bringing me in as a technical consultant and they already know that they need me for some reason. Whereas I was doing content and technical and trying to get buy-in and doing all the things as an in-house. Yeah, which was a lot. (laughs) But also good learnings is I didn't know at the time. I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. No worries. It's fine. But I was not fine. Showing some examples of like an early Moz blog is not enough to get buy-in of somebody to write blog posts. So I know how to word that better to the higher ups and um and get more people on my side than I do now.
0: <laughs> got you, got you, yeah. got you. So what? Let's say so they an in-house team brings you in, yeah. right? They've got they've got whatever resources they've got, and they've got a specific problem. What's an example of a of a problem they might? bring you in and then what does that look like in terms of you getting in there and then planning out that engagement?
1: Sure. A very specific example I'm working on right now is a company I'm working with is on a custom CMS and they are dealing with trailing slash issues. So we have implemented credentials across the website with very specific documentation that I've written for them now because I've learned from the past. So there's been some very rigorous QA processes, but we're still dealing with the trailing slashes. So the non-slash version isn't automatically redirecting to the trailing slash version. And they didn't even know they had these issues before we looked at them, but I did a a pretty comprehensive top to bottom audit and they were able to see that they were having two versions of the pages indexed. Now we've been able to get buy-in and we've been able to prove the case and we've been able to write documentation and we've been able to implement canonicals. And now the last step is in their JIRA boards that they're finally going to implement the trailing slash things, which are default on WordPress, but not on custom CMSs. So we're finally at the point and they're putting that in now. And I've been having that conversation with Google's, aka Search Console, for about a month of just like reprocessing as many URLs as I possibly can to be like, knock on every door possible. And we've been redirecting all the URLs internally to make sure that they all go to the right URLs, which Google is starting to listen to us for. So it's just that one last piece that we're waiting for the developers to implement, to be able to check off that final awesomeness, to make sure that Google is sending all the right value to the right, the one page to rule them all. Got you. Got
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For
1: every version. Because they had like two or three versions before. So we're lucky now, or not lucky now, after some work, we're finally going to start to see results, which is starting to come through. The CMO was even messaging me yesterday saying that Google is listening to us finally.
0: I'm curious about that, getting that buy-in from them. Were the CMO or the other C-level executives, were they quite SEO savvy or did you, what sort of, how strongly did you have to push a business case forward? Did you have to present ROI or what was the case?
1: It was it was ROI and it was getting the CMO involved who wanted to rank for a middle of funnel keywords that they weren't ranking for. So they were missing out versus their competitors. So we made the case versus the competitors who are showing for these keywords and showed them what what was what was ranking between them. And then we pulled together some hrefs data, some light hrefs data mixed with Search Console data of showing them all the pages that were indexed, which Google was nice enough to give us that information for finally. And we can see where they've crawled and where they haven't crawled. And you can see the prioritization that they're taking. So that was that was the biggest one. Because all the people who run the tech at that level are all devs and techie people. So it was easier in that sense to be like, look, what well, Google's crawling. They're not crawling when we need them to crawl. <laughs> Please help us.
0: Got it. Got it.
1: And then I even got into like sprint planning, which I'm not used to being an in for this kind of stuff, but whatever works so yeah that's cool
0: (laughs) that's cool at least they had the content so they are you saying they had the middle of funnel content it just wasn't they weren't getting
1: they just weren't getting because yeah because they had like three or four pages ranking between the versions that they had out there so now we're consolidating all that and putting the value to where it needs to go and now they've started to see that movement which yeah i'm excited to see
0: okay cool well that's a positive at least like we, we come across a range of clients who have got lots of top of funnel content and lots of the bottom, like really high intent and like nothing between. Yeah. And they try to, I literally just posted something on LinkedIn about this last week where they'll try to just generate as much traffic as possible up here and then retarget down here. The massive gap between the intent there and here, like without the organic playing a role in that part of the buyer journey, like, yeah, you know, at least they're one step ahead there, but if they're not getting the value, then they're, they're not really so.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And the CMO had already gone through and, and made the case for this content to exist. So I was lucky enough to have that in the backing too, which is really nice to have.
0: Yeah. And is that a typical type of like project you take on with a with a SaaS client? Is that and in terms of how specific the problem was and and the buy-in that you got from from above?
1: Kind of. Cuz what I've what I've seen in the last 2 years of my freelance anyway is I get to do a lot of audits. It's either we do an audit or we do like an investigation process cuz you never know what you're walking into. It's a lot like buying a house, right? Like you don't know what's behind the walls. Um, until you start digging through it. And that's how we actually found a lot of these things and a lot of the things that I end up fixing, right? Like without access to Search Console or without access to the back end of their website even, I, it's not really helpful. So as long as they sign the documents and say, yes, Jess, you're allowed to look at these things, please help us. Then <laughs> we get to start diagnosing the things that are happening and then make a plan, which is what all the C-levels love to see, right? Make a make a, make a a deck, which yep. sure.
0: Sure. Yeah, and just and show us dead. the dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How
1: much will this help us fix, and where will the needle go after you fix this? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and then like, with are you seeing anything across? So with those audits that you're running, is there anything like that you're you're seeing is is more common in SaaS and from than your other experience potentially?
1: Mostly, it's mess specific issues. Like ah, WordPress has specific stuff, and Webflow has specific stuff, and Shopify has specific stuff. So what I've what I've been trying to figure out is like writing down all that specific stuff that cms's are holding you back with or stopping you from ranking for like on webflow there's an index.html file on every single webflow instance which a lot of people don't know that they should canonical to their homepage because that's just gonna sit there so one tiny little nugget that we end up putting in an audit that people end up finding because google crawls it so yeah. Awesome,
0: Jess. That's that's great. Really appreciate, yeah. Some, just a, a bit of the visibility across what you know some of these problems that you're you're encountering and and how your most of the feedback that we get in from from listeners and and emails and the like is around. I guess especially like people at the junior level not realizing how much of our job is stakeholder management. It's actually yes. it's not putting yes. together the audit and the data and everything else. It's it's communicating that to the people who decide yes or no to sign off on it. Totally. So. Yeah, so you're, you're you're definitely consistent with that with that theme.
1: Yeah, that's the rest of my afternoon after this too. So that's go. gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. There
0: you go. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm gonna close off with our Vox Pop question. So I'm gonna quick fire through a, a few questions which we ask every guest. I just want you to not think too hard. Just first thing that comes to mind, and then we'll move on to the next one. Ready, set, ready. Excellent. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night?
1: Uh, None of them, because I have more important things to think about, honestly.
0: (laughs) What is your favorite non-obvious software tool that you you use every day to research or execute?
1: Google Trends, and they literally pushed an update like this week. So it's exciting. Yeah, they've made it so much more fun.
0: (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm totally jumping in straight after this. Gun to your head, which do you prefer, content or links?
1: I'm a heart, so content, I think. Yeah.
0: What do you think is the most effective link building technique that you've used personally?
1: Currently, I'm using Help a B2B Writer Out, which has just been acquired by SuperPath. So I've found a lot of value out of them. And then there's this other one called Turkle, Turkle, I think, .io. And they have a $99 subscription a month. And you can put in guest posts or answer to stuff unlimited. And I think there's less people in that than like Harrow these days. So I've had a really good success rate with placements through it, personally.
0: Very cool. Do you think the uh, the skyscraper technique, I think this question is super relevant given the monstrous amount of AI produced copy we're about to see Uh, and we're already starting to see. Do you think the skyscraper technique is still relevant today?
1: I think depending on the size of the industry that you're in, it could be, but not for the ones that I'm at the moment for sure.
0: Okay, (laughs) cool. What do you love most about SEO?
1: I switched from dev to SEO thinking that there'd be less change, but there's actually more. So honestly, I'm, I'm I, the amount of change that happens is just something that you got to keep up on. So I'm, I kind of love the amount of change that goes on to
0: Excellent. How do yeah. you apply SEO principles to your daily life?
1: I have a toddler whose memory is incredibly good. So I have to audit her toys weekly. She comes home from school and remembers something from yesterday. Where was that X toy from yesterday? So I apply my auditing principles to our physical toy space. <laughs> that is honestly how I do it. Yeah.
0: That's very cool. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life?
1: A home for sure. Yeah. I work from my home. So I'd, yeah, I'd rather just be home.
0: <laughs> cool. SEMrush or Hrefs?
1: I've been an Href subscriber for a very long time.
0: Excellent. And what do you think is the best for a for a brand? Do you think going with an agency or using an in-house team or a combination, both?
1: Depending on the level that you're at, if you're at like a, a decent level, like you have proven your concept of that your business works, I think, and you're scaling, then having a combo is, is, is nice because then you could start testing things as you scale. And again, if you're at a higher level too, I think having a combo is nice because then you can make things that you don't want to do in-house easier by just sourcing it with processes.
0: Yep. Yep. Love it. Cool. Jess, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. How can people, if they want to reach out to you, where's, what's the best place to find you? Where is that?
1: Sure. I have my own website, choice.com. I, I love Twitter. I'm not sure how I feel about it these days, but I was getting legit leads from it for a very long time. So. I'm Jess Joyce on Twitter as well as I'm Jess Joyce on LinkedIn in case Twitter leaves us at any point in the future.
0: Okay, cool. And I, you did share also, you've got a nice little featured snippet at the moment. for
1: uh... Oh, yeah. So who is Jess Joyce? Also, everyone should do that. You should do that for you too, because I really like the featured snippet highlighting that they have now. It looks like super nice, honestly. And they seem to have changed the font for it too. So I think it looks really updated, which it does. I didn't expect from Google.
0: It does. It does. Cool, Jess. Well, thank you. Well, that's another episode of SEO Success Stories. hope you've enjoyed it. Some really great, you know, deep dive into the work that Jess does in the SaaS industry, but also just, you know, your background and everything. It's been a really great conversation. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is a joy.
0: No worries. If you've enjoyed the show, like I always say, tell someone, write write us five stars on Apple. That would be amazing. Otherwise, I will be back again with another very clever SEO in two weeks' time. Thanks so much, SEO nerds. Have a great time. Cheers, bye.